Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. A man who uh, will need no cranking up for a big game. He is live from Allen Road in Leeds. It has been ransomed from Sky Sports UK. Uh, they take on the Canaries of Norwich and uh, and you're on, on site, mate, for a, a, a game that Oh, could have been a Premier League game a couple of years ago. Morning, Ben. Yeah, good morning. Exactly that. And both these teams have aspirations of making it a Premier League game again next year because Leeds very much are in the hunt for the automatic spots. If they win tonight, continue this excellent run they've been on. I think they've won four from four in 2024. That'll move them two points behind Ipswich Town in second. And Norwich, they're eight just outside the playoff places. As you know, it's very, very congested and tight the championship so many big clubs everyone wants a piece of that Premier League action um, and Norwich no win for them would move them into the playoff places so look it's uh, here it's a fascinating game that's for sure and I think it just shows the strength and depth of football in England that you come down into the second tier and you get two huge clubs meeting in such a huge stadium yeah absolutely huge uh, Alan Road what is that hold about 35 yeah, exactly that. They re- they re- rebuilt um, one of the stands initially for Euro 96. That's when they expanded the capacity. Um, they've since re- re-jigged that stand again. Um, still looks a bit like uh, when you walk through the doors, like you're walking onto the set of the Damned United, it has to be said. But look, it's, uh, it's a fantastic place to watch football. It is loud. And uh, when Leeds are on song, the fans are absolutely brilliant. Now, uh, Ben, the reason we got you on was to talk, we're going to talk some transfers, talk some Premier League football as well. But, uh, I mean, this window has only got, what are we, the 21st? So we've got six days left of the window, transfer window been open. Uh, and so far, it's probably the leanest spending we've seen in a transfer window in, in recent memory, isn't it? It feels that way. Um, I don't exactly know what the stats are on that, but it certainly feels that way. And I think it's because a lot of the the clubs are literally looking at their PSR, their their the fact you know that we've seen Everton punished, we've seen Everton and Nottingham Forest charged again by the Premier League for essentially overspending. And I think clubs are know how close they are to the wire, and they are worried, which is why I think they're all waiting. I, I still think there'll be a flurry of activity in this next week or so as we get towards the deadline. But I don't think we'll see the same sort of moves as we've seen before. I think teams are just accepting they've got to cut their cloth a little bit. If there's a a, a deal to be done that represents excellent value, they'll do it. But don't forget, in January, those deals are few and far between. I want to talk about a potential signing. And Aston Villa, it's surprising, or are you surprised to see them still competing? They're in the top four, competing for a a title. But Aston Villa signed young 18-year-old Kosta Nedeljovic from the Red Star Belgrade. He won't play until next year. He'll stay with the Red Stars this year. Do you know much about Costa? No, no, I don't, if I'm honest. Um, that's probably as much as uh, shines a light on my uh, poor journalism as anything else. But look, it's um, obviously Premier League clubs, what I will say is have these extensive scouting networks right across Europe now and they're trying mm. to identify players at that exact age because they know for well, and look, lots of the clubs have done this so well lately, bring players in. Brighton are probably the, the, the class masters at this at the moment. Bring players in at 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, just to that age where they've shown enough that they can compete in men's football, but they've still got that kind of untapped potential. Develop them within the academy, Mm. often send them out on loan, and then you you win both ways because if you can hoover up the best of the talent from Europe and beyond, then essentially you've got a player on your books that ultimately is an asset. Now, 
if he goes on to fulfil the potential they hope he has and gets into the Aston Villa first team, fantastic. You might have saved yourself 30, 40, 50 million quid. But even if you don't, you can still often cash in. And some of the clubs have done that so, so well. At Brighton are the absolute best of that kind of level, I suppose, of doing that. But then you look at you know other teams like the likes of Man City and Arsenal and others who hoover up the very best young talent. Chelsea have stockpiled it, haven't they, for years? And you see how successful they've been. And that really does help, by the way. We're talking about PSR and balancing the books. Those kind of things really do help. It's interesting, actually, at Red Star, one of his teammates is uh, Marco uh, Stamanek, who's the all-white. He plays there, and they played Man City uh, twice in the Champions League this year and twice in the Champions League year before as well. So uh, certainly on the right stage there. And, and talking about Man City, you talk about stockpiling talent, Ben. Uh, there is a move that is happening by the looks of it. Uh, it is that Calvin Phillips is going to leave Man City and go to West Ham on loan for the season with an option to buy. I remember when they bought him from Leeds, there was some talk, because Liverpool was sniffing around, that Man City only bought him so Liverpool wouldn't get him. Do you think there's any truth to that, given they've hardly played him in the 18 months they've, they've had him on their books? Yeah, honestly, I don't, I don't think that. I mean, look, when other clubs are interesting players, of course, like it, it comes down to... A battle, and then there is a bit of uh, you know, we saw it with Chelsea as the PA system comes on here. Sorry, <laughs> uh, and we saw it with Chelsea in the summer, didn't we? Look, they were desperate to gazump Liverpool, uh, no matter what, with uh, Moises Casado, with Romeo Lavia. They were desperate to overpay for those players. Two players, by the way, Lavia particularly, have barely played this year. But look, there's, there's obviously going to be that rivalry in competition to try and get the very top players because, of course, they're looking at the same targets. But with someone like Phillips, I don't really think that was the case. There was a gap in the City squad for that kind of holding midfield player who could break, who could break up play, a bit like Rodri when he wasn't in the team, and then progress the ball forward. Now, Phillips is very good on the ball. He's a good passer. He gets around the pitch very well, very mobile, and defensively sound. But unfortunately for him, it just hasn't worked. Whatever Pep has seen for him in training, he's not getting what he wants from him. Whether it's his propensity to make little mistakes in the areas he desperately needs him to get the ball when he's you know surrounded by opposition players in deep areas I don't know but something's not quite worked and I think the big for me the right was on the wall for Phillips when Roger was suspended for those four matches combined this season and Phillips I think started one of those four the fact that Phillips didn't get back in the team for the Premier League matches when Rodri wasn't even available and he was preferring to play Manu Akanji in there alongside John Stones that told me that really Pep was never going to trust him England do, by the way. There's a Euros coming up in the summer. That's why a move for him is so important. I think West Ham potentially are getting a perfect Declan Rice replacement. Liverpool aren't Premier League title favourites. Man City are, says Paul Merson. Well, it's hard to really go uh, to agree with them, really, after way, the way they dismantled Bournemouth uh, for love in that last outing. Mate, what have you made of that? Liverpool, are they looking OK without Mo Salah? They're looking good at the moment. I mean, the last game, it was a bit of a statement win. Not a great mm. deal happened in the first half of that game. I will say that much. But look, the fact that Darwin Nunez and Diogo Jota stepped up in Salah's absence is huge because mm. Liverpool have always had these four-slash-five strikers or forward players. Salah's the one fixture in that team who plays every week. He's their talisman. He scores more than anyone else. He's done it at the top level. He's helped them win a Premier League title. Cody Gakpo, Diogo Jota, Darwin Nunez... Luis Diaz, these players rotate between them and it often it comes, happens on form. The fact that Jota particularly scored and now he's back fit again could be hugely significant because not only is Salah obviously away, I mean, he's back now technically, but was away with Egypt mm. at the Africa Cup of Nations. The fact he's now got that injury, which we're told is three or four weeks, which would mean he would miss a couple of Premier League games. He might miss three, four, five Premier League games. That's a massive hole in that team. So those other players 
players like Darwin Nunes, who haven't scored perhaps the goals that he's had chances to convert, this is the time Liverpool desperately need them. If they continue to play as they are, then absolutely they can win this Premier League title. But I will just say, Man City are threatening. They've got Erling Haaland back, very close to a playing return. De Bruyne's back fit again, who's like a new signing in January. He's not played barely a minute this season either. They are just in that point where you feel they're going to hit their straps. So I think it's going to be a two-horse race, and it could be another one of those epic battles we've seen between City and Liverpool right to the end of the season. It's interesting you say two-horse race, mate, because, you know, for uh, a long part of the season, Arsenal have been leading the way, uh, but they have dropped five points off the pace in recent weeks. Do you think that's them done, or can they climb back into the race? For them to get back in the race, they've got to beat both City and Liverpool. I think that Liverpool game, what is it, in a couple of weeks' time, mm. I think, um, that's, the, that's the one, right? They... If they win that, then they're back in the race, no doubt, because, again, they played pretty well against Crystal Palace. They actually scored some goals. They've been missing a lot of chances lately, creating a lot and not getting the ball in the net. So to score as many as they did, to look good again, have that little break, come back, reset, refocus, they will push the other two close. But the fact they need the other two to slip, and these are two teams that in this most recent era under Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola, we know they barely do slip. They've raised that bar to a level we've perhaps never seen before. And because of that, any defeat, any drop points almost instantly takes you out of the title contention. The fact that Arsenal have dropped so many points over Christmas, that is hugely damaging to them. As I say, if they can beat City, they can beat Liverpool when they meet them, they're back in it. But I also would say if they don't beat Liverpool then that probably is completely curtains for them. Yeah, that's probably them done. Liverpool do play today, mate. They're away at Craven Cottage against Fulham, second leg of the League Cup semi-finals. They won the first leg 2-1 at Anfield, but they were behind in that game. What chance do you give them of getting through here? Because Fulham certainly have taken the game to them in the Premier League earlier this season and in that first leg. It's going to be a tough game. Yeah, Fulham, of course, some problems, not just this season, but in recent meetings as well. Um, they, they, they're a good side under Marco Silva, don't forget, former Everton manager as well. So there's a, a nice little dynamic that adds, uh, adds a little bit of spice to the occasion. And, and at home, under the lights, the Fulham fans will be hoping, look, if they, imagine they score early, imagine Raul Jimenez pops up at the far post and they go one up. All of a sudden, that puts a lot of pressure on Liverpool. Now, Liverpool are playing very, very well, but as much as those same strikers found the net and found their form in that second half against Bournemouth, if they have one of their off days, if Darwin Nunez is in the side and missing chances and Fulham get their noses in front, they're a very, very difficult team to beat. So, absolutely, Fulham have a chance. Liverpool, you'd still make favourites. The fact that Chelsea await them in the final, that promises that potentially is a huge game. Both teams will be desperate to get their hands on the very first piece of silverware this season. But Fulham have got a chance for sure. I'm excited by the match. I like the idea of Craven Cottage on those nights. Midweek, under the lights, knockout game. It's a bit like when they were in the old, um, I don't know if it was the UEFA Cup or Europa League. I think it was the Europa League when they were in it, weren't they, under Roy Hodgson and went mm. all the way to the final. There's some great nights on the banks of the Thames. And it feels like it could be another cracking game down there. It's hard to believe that, uh, well, it's easy to believe because they've been struggling for years now that Ricardo hasn't asked anything about Manchester United. But Mason Greenwood <laughs> has reportedly made it clear to his agents that there's no way back for him at Manchester United and is determined to make a dream move to Barcelona. Now, we know that Sir uh, Jim Radcliffe has come in. Is he shaking it up? Is he making a bit of a, creating a bit of waves through Manchester United already in such a short time? I mean, he absolutely is. I mean, the fact that they've uh, taken City's chief operations officer, Omar Barada, they've uh, they've wasted no time in, in changing the structure of the football club. Manchester United, from the outside, this is my thoughts, is that 
they in David Gill, the last great kind of chief executive club, they had someone who had the respect of any boardroom across UEFA, across any of the big clubs in the world. And then they kind of lost something when he stepped down. I mean, look, he saw the right was probably on the wall, as did Sir Alex Ferguson when they both left. And that dynasty ended. And they've really struggled to replace that real kind of authoritative figure in that boardroom at the top. So having Omar Barada, a man who's obviously worked at Barcelona and been a huge part of the success in recent years at Manchester City, getting him in, albeit he can't start work for a few months, is a big, is a big coup for them. They're clearly looking to make big, big changes. The noise from Mr. Jim Radcliffe is that, look, I'm a fan. I've got loads of money. I'm a billionaire. I only want the best for this club. I want success on the pitch. But alongside that, he knows they've got to get their ducks in a row off it. The Glazers, the way they've run the club, they've just been happy really just to see the profits come in and United relatively competitive at the top of the Premier League, winning the odd trophy, the odd FA Cup, etc. here and there. But this is a big statement. They, Sir Jim Rackett knows what it will take to get and catch up Liverpool and City. They know they're behind in that race, but he's fully committed to do it. And I think he's making some smart decisions himself and Sir Dave Brailsford. They're meeting staff at United. They're trying to change the sports science side of things as well. They're, they're making changes at all levels because they realise within that football club things have gone off the boil. They've lost that winning mentality amongst the whole staff, let alone on the pitch. So you can see he's desperately trying to make an impact and he wants to make an impact quickly because he realises that kind of, not quite the new manager bounce, but the new ownership bounce, this is their opportunity to do that and have the biggest impact. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's, it's a long road back, but uh, uh, look, the signs are positive um, for, from Manchester United point of view. Uh, that is that is for sure. Just before I let you go, mate, uh, uh, news that Kieran Trippier is wanted by Bayern Munich, um, and Newcastle have rejected two bids for him. Interesting one, this because Newcastle are a little bit. Uh, um, and under pressure for the for the financial side of things, but feels like selling Trippier would doesn't really work. He's one of your main players, and you're only probably going to get what maybe 15 million for him at the outset. So it's not really going to alleviate that much pressure. Yeah, exactly that. It's um, it's it's a tricky one for Newcastle because you're right. It's, it's, it must be frustrating for them the fact that they have all the money in the world, and yet they can't spend any of it because of these financial <laughs> rules. Right? They've tightened them up since even Chelsea or Man City fought their way towards that top table. So the Saudis can't spend the money they've got. So they have to be smart about it. Now, selling players is potentially their only avenue to being able to go again. Now, there's been a lot of talk about Bruno Gimenez because he would command a huge fee and that's a fee they could completely reinvest pretty much in the team. He's not going anywhere till the summer at the very earliest because they know how important he is. Selling a homegrown player helps. But look, in Trippi, I suppose the one thing you would say is his age. But he's over 30 now. When they bought him, they brought him because of his experience. But this season, what is there left for them to play for this season specifically. I guess there's trying to get into the European places, but realistically, you have to say the Champions League places are probably gone for them at this point. So it's about trying to get into one of the European competitions and it's about being competitive as long as they can in the Premier League. Now, £15 million, £16 million, £70 million for a player who maybe has two or three seasons left at the top level is not necessarily the worst business and it might just be something that unlocks something else. Now, Newcastle are keen not to sell him, of course, because he creates so many chances. You alluded to it there. He's one of their best players. He's such an offensive threat and great in the dressing room as well. But they have to look at all options. That's the reality of where they are with their financial situation. Mm, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the outcome of this is. Six days left in the transfer window. We'll let you go, Ben. Thanks very much for uh, coming on, mate. Thanks, enjoy, that, enjoy that game, Leeds versus Norwich. Have you got a prediction? 
Uh, I I think it might. I think Leeds can get over the line here. Look, Norwich have beaten in the last two games. They've beaten two of the teams above them in the table, right? So they know how to beat the teams in and around them, which has really helped them. But they're not playing the best at the moment. Leeds have been great so far this calendar year. They've never won five from five to start any calendar year in their history. Illustrious as it's been, this could be the night. So I think Leeds just about to edge it. Good stuff. Thanks very much, Ben. Enjoy your night. Enjoy the match. Ben Ransom from Sky Sports UK there with us uh, talking football. And as a year, it's interesting. I was just looking at a stat uh in terms of spending, so they have this this what they call the winter window over there. Yep. Generally, it's not as busy. English clubs in this window have spent thirty four point six million pounds. That's nothing, isn't it? No, what you know what they spent <laughs> last year? The same window what? last year, seven hundred and eighty. So what? It <laughs> is a huge difference. But what what's the reasoning? What do you think it is? Is it just not that appetite of players on offer out there in the market, or is it? The world we live in, is it inflation? Are they thinking, well, times are pretty tough. We cannot spend that money anymore. I can't think it's the latter, but what is it? Well, I think that year, last year, was overinflated because Todd Bowley had bought Chelsea, so he went in and, and splurged. I think ah. probably about $500 million of that was Chelsea. Um, yep. But So that made a big difference. But yeah, I, I think it's just the realities of the new financial controls, basically mm. just so clubs don't end up in the shtup. So you, you can't, basically over a three any three-year period, uh, consecutive three-year period, you can't lose more than 105 million pounds okay i like that yeah nice mm. um and just just on that question around sir jim radcliffe mm. and his you, you must be relatively happy anyone's better than the glazer family isn't it yeah mate. yeah 100 percent. yeah he's he's making the right noises he's bringing the right people in he's he's bringing yeah. he's bringing people that know sporting and sir dave brailsford for the high yeah. performance side and then he's actually bringing Football people into the football side of the operations in terms of recruitment and things like that because what the uh, uh, what the Glazers have done in the past is they've just had accountants, so they're basically yeah. people who are only interested in balancing the books and not interested in the football. Yeah, and and that's the wrong thing to go about it. They're relying heavily on the past to keep the the value of the team up there, and then obviously the loyal fans they want to win. Yeah, of course they do. So they were doing it the wrong way. And winning is grinning, right? The more you win, the more money you make. So, yeah, yep. it's uh, it's an interesting one. But I think uh, things are certainly turning and looking better uh, than they have done for a while.